Hello and welcome to the Living in Jesus podcast. My name is Ross O'Hare and I'll be your host today. Living in Jesus is a podcast designed to explore the depths of what it means to live a grace-filled life with Jesus as the focus. Today we will try to answer some questions surrounding the last 10 episodes. This will be a wide-ranging episode focused on a few questions for each session that will hopefully provide some added insight and clarity. I hope you enjoy today's podcast and here we go. All right, joining me today is Ben Brazina. Hey, Ross. Hey, and Bo Brazina. Hello, Ross. And Tom Price. Hey, Ross. How are you guys today? Awesome. Good. Good. Awesome. Okay, so we are starting off with some Q&As. We're going to pick up in session 11. Ben, I'm going to start with you. How can I tell the difference between my thoughts, the Holy Spirit's, and Satan's? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think unless God audibly speaks to us, which he does at times in the Bible, that a lot of times it comes in as thoughts. So I, I think it takes discernment. First of all, we have to know who God is and what his character is in order to say, you know, what his voice sounds like. I think about how do we learn somebody's voice? It's spending time with them, you know, talking and listening. And the more time we, we spend with them, our brain registers that. We know the types of things they say and how they say things. And so it's a process of learning. You know, the story is illustrated well, I think, with Samuel. Uh, when he was just a boy and he moved in with Eli, mm. and Samuel's mom brought him, you know, he heard he heard the voice of God, but he, yeah. he thought it was Eli, you know, and Eli had to point him and say, no, that's God, you know. But after Samuel learned his voice, then he talked with God and heard from God the rest of his life as God's prophet and I think it's the same with us. We have the Holy Spirit, and he's our counselor. He's going to be talking to us and showing us the way to go. So we need to learn who God is, and that's the whole idea of concept of God, that he's love and life, and he's mm. an encourager. So as we learn to know him more, I think we recognize his voice more clearly. And Hebrews emphasizes that when it says, it talks about by practice, you know, the mature discern between good and evil. And mm-hmm. it's the same with the thoughts, I think, as as we practice listening and getting to know God better, we can discern his thoughts in our mind. Yeah. You know, Paul says in Philippians, he says, whatever is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and of good repute, he says, think on these things. Yeah. So obviously, if you follow his path of thinking, that's the, that's who God is. Yeah. And so if I'm getting a thought that lines up with Scripture that's lovely and it's good repute and it's it's part of my learning process, I love what Ben said about it. It's a journey of, of learning, mm-hmm. so to speak. But the Romans, Paul says in Romans, he says that there's no condemnation for those in Christ. So if I'm in, in contrast, if I'm getting a, a condemning thought, I'm so stupid or I'm a bad Christian or how could I, mm. I'm never going to change or I always fail. Mm-hmm. Those are condemning thoughts. We know that those are not in line with scripture and therefore they have to be coming either from the world or the enemy mm. uh, around me. Yeah. And so understanding what is true from the word, we can start deciphering on that learning journey. Mm. I love that passage that Bo just mentioned in Philippians. And I see that as like a test, you know, when I have a thought and I think of that verse and think, wow, does that thought pass that test? And, and if it doesn't pass the test, I realize that that thought is not from God. Hmm. And also understand that my mind is like a receiver and I can receive God's thoughts, but I can also receive thoughts from the enemy too. And I have my own thoughts as I process those thoughts hmm. that I hear. And 
if those thoughts don't match up with truth, and another verse I love is First Corinthians thirteen, where Paul says, "Love is patient, love is kind, not jealous, does not brag," and he he describes these things about love, and God's thoughts are always loving, even if it's corrective, mm-hmm. it's loving thoughts. Yeah. And again, it's just, does those thoughts pass the test of truth? And the more, as Ben mentioned, the more you get to know God and get to know His voice, the quicker you recognize that. Yeah, so um, we've kind of described what God's thoughts are like, and in contrast, that would show what Satan's thoughts aren't like. But how do we navigate all the thoughts in our brains and knowing, well, is that for me? I mean, obviously, we've got the whole general, okay, are they good, are they pleasing, Sometimes it's not that obvious. Sometimes it's well, difficult think, to figure that out. I think the enemy wants us to be confused about that. Yeah. Again, the more we listen to God, and one of you guys just mentioned Romans 8, 1, that confusion, to me, creates condemnation. Hmm. And if I'm feeling condemned, even by the confusion of my own thoughts, then that's a red flag. Wait a minute. That's not the activity of the Holy Spirit in my mind right now. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm listening to the enemy. He wants to trip me up with this confusion. So in that confusion, what, how do you handle that? How do you, what do you do with that? Well, I go back to, well, have an intimate conversation with God. God, what are your thoughts about me right now? Hmm. And just listen to what he says to me. And he'll use scripture in my mind, but also he can speak directly into my mind hmm. with his loving thoughts. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about God being loving, I mean, what does a loving person want to do? He doesn't want to confuse you yeah. and cause you to, maybe I'll trick him this way, and he <laughs> won't really, he'll think that's my voice, and he won't. I mean, God is trying to communicate with us, and he wants us to understand. Yeah. So if we have a willing heart, and we want to know what he's saying, then he's going to reveal himself to us. It's a growing process, but mm-hmm. it, it starts with that in your mind when you have a thought and you're like, God, is that you? If you take it to God and you say, God, is that you? Are you saying that to me? He will confirm that. He confirms it in a variety of different ways. I mean, sometimes he'll bring somebody to you and say something to you. I still remember the time I was at church. I was thinking in the elevator, I was thinking, God, do you want me to start a Sunday teaching a Sunday school class <laughs> at my church? Nice. I was thinking that all morning. I was wrestling with that, and I didn't know, you know, if that's what he wanted me to do. There was a guy that walked in the elevator, and he said, he said, Ben, God told me this morning to tell you, just do it. And I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? And he said, I don't know. He, he didn't tell me what it was you're supposed to do. He just told me to tell you, just do it. And it was, I, but I knew exactly at that moment what I was thinking about. And that was sure. God, I think, speaking to me to confirm it. If we really want to know, God's going to show himself strong for us if we're really wanting to hear from him. Hmm. I think we need to keep in mind, too, that uh, God has equipped us for this journey. You know, mm-hmm. Paul says in Corinthians that we have these weapons that yeah. are very powerful and that he encourages us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so one way of, of deciphering if a thought is from God is, is this thought in line with the, the loving sacrifice of Christ, mm-hmm. his obedience to the cross yeah. that made me righteous, that made me holy, that gifted me his life? Is this thought in line with that? And he's... He's going to walk with me in this journey that been of this learning process, moment by moment. Like Tom was saying, an intimate conversation. God, uh, you know, is this in line with your truth and what you did on the cross? Mm. And I, I think that's the the learning journey. Yeah, that's great. Okay, and so let's go to the. There's another question here that someone submitted. It says, "What can I do to best hear from Him?" 
So Tom uh, or Bo or Ben, anybody can take that one. What do you, what's the best way that what can we do to better hear from him? Well, to listen to him, the more I listen to him, the more I get to know his voice. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, somewhere around verse 2, uh, excuse me, 10, 11, 12, he talks about that uh, the Spirit knows all the things of God and wants to reveal to my spirit those things of God. And what that tells me God's heart. I want you to know me. And as I stop and listen to him, I was reading this morning in the Gospels, and yes, I, I'm reading the Scripture, okay? Sure. So it's just information until I engage and listen to what God says. And he spoke to me about some things. Tom, I want you to think about this mm. and you know, reflect on this in your life. It was not condemning whatsoever. Mm. It was uh, encouraging. It was loving. And I knew it was his voice speaking to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, how do we listen to another person? We, we listen sometimes well. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we sit here and think about what we're going to say <laughs> rather than pay attention to, you yeah. know, and a lot of times I can pray that way. I can be praying about all the things that are on my heart and my mind, and I just want to go in prayer and just tell God, unload on him, which mm. which he, he wants us to come and bring all that stuff to him. Yeah. But if you want to hear God's voice, then we got to stop and actively mm. listen. we got to say, we got to put all the stuff that we're, thinking about out of our mind and say, God, what do you want to say to me today? Mm-hmm. What, what are you thinking about? I, sometimes I, my best times are when it's quiet. So, you know, in early in the morning before the house wakes up, you know, if I, if he wakes me up, you know, some of that's some of the, the best time for me to hear from him. Mm-hmm. And he just, he puts all kind of thoughts when I just open up and say, God, what are you thinking about this morning? You've been awake all night and uh, you <laughs> never sleep. And so what's, what's happening? What, what do you want me to think about this morning. He'll put thoughts into my mind and that's, uh, you know, but we have to be willing to, to pause and, and say, God, talk to me. And that's hard for us to do when we stay so busy, when there's so many entertainment opportunities, there's events that we're doing. It's, we really have to carve out time to just sit and say, God, what are you saying? Instead of just unloading on God Mm. in those times. Mm. You know, Paul says in Colossians 3, take set your mind on things above Mm. and to keep seeking the things above, right? Not the things that are on the earth. And Ben made a reference to it, you know, that there's all these options for where I can set my mind on things of the earth. For me personally, this is just my personal story. um, Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads me to turn off the radio or turn off the audio if I'm listening to something Mm. because he's, he's encouraging me to set my mind, not on the earthly things, but on the heavenly things. On other times he's led me to, to fast, so to speak, uh, maybe social media or mm. news, you know, nothing necessarily inherently wrong with that. It's just a period of time he's leading me to set my mind on things above. Yeah. And, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, in that passage in Colossians 3, he says, if you've been raised up with Christ, well, we have been raised up with Christ, right? Because we are in Christ. And so our deepest desire is to hear his voice. And it's just listening to what he, his ideas for how he wants us to set aside that time to do the listening that what Ben was, was talking about. It sounds like there's a lot of freedom in how, or differences and flavors of how God has wired each of you to, you know, to hear from him and to create that space. And I think that that's important too, is not everybody, me included, is a morning person that gets up early. And if, if I woke up early and heard from God, that would not be a good time. <laughs> I would not hear a lot. Um, but, you know, I think it's just important to know that, you know, the, I think 
we've got to come back to who we truly are in our hearts, that we have the mind of Christ, and we also also have been given a new heart. And both of those things line up to our desire to want to hear from God. And I think that we, if we really communicate that clearly, which we have, I think that that's going to be the catalyst, the starting point for a lot of people. If they truly understand those things, that they really want to hear from God, that's going to really open up a lot of opportunities for them to, you know, in their own lives, in their own ways, see ways that they're like, okay, well, I really am wired this way, and I hear God in this type of format or when Mm -hmm. I'm doing this. And that can encourage people to know that there's not a formula to it, but it's just really understanding who we are at the core that spurs that. I, th- I think that's a great point, you know, and, and I think we're supposed to pray always about everything, and we're supposed to be in a running conversation, yeah. which means not just talking but also listening. Mm. And, you know, I think some of the richest times that I've spent in the Word of God is when I go in there and I say, all right, Holy Spirit, we're doing this together. I want you to teach me and talk to me as I read, yeah. you know, and acknowledge His presence there. And, yeah. and He speaks to me, you know, through reading. It's not just sitting and, and being still silent and listening, yeah. but he can do that. And, and it starts with that attitude of he's here with me all the time. He can speak in whatever way he wants to. Okay, awesome. Let's move on to session 12, Expressions of God's Life. So I'll throw this question out there, and you can answer it. The first question submitted to us says this, Is fruit of the Spirit proof that I am saved? Well, Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, If if you believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Mm. It doesn't say if you are showing lots of patience <laughs> and peace and kindness. Yeah. However, I do believe it's normal and natural that if you're saved, you're gonna, it's going to be through the Spirit. Yeah. The problem is, is that you can try to, it's, it's not authentic, but you can try to work on patience, and it can even appear like patience to others, and it's really not a fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I think, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 7, 16 through 18, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Hmm. So I think the key there is you will know them. Right, so this is more like how we can see the life of God in other people by the fruit they're producing. But if you want to try to figure out if you're saved by how much fruit you have, I think that's the wrong focus for us mm. because uh, you know our motives are various mm. as far as going forward. I think the test for us is what are we believing? You know, we as far as what we're saved, the t- the test. In Corinthians, Paul says, Second Corinthians thirteen five, he says, "Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith." And so we need to look at what are we believing, and that's where it gets back to Bo's proclamation that, that he read with declaring and believe in your heart. And that, to me, is the proof that you're saved. Now, it will be manifested by yeah. the fruit of the Spirit, but trying to look at our lives and, and, and try to measure our fruit and then say, am I saved or not, I think that's the wrong direction to go. And I would agree with that. But if you are displaying the fruit of the Spirit, and that's the key right there of the Spirit, you know, uh, you, you could be trying real hard in your flesh, oh, I'm going to love them or I'm going to be patient with them. I'm going to be self-controlled. And that may just be a flesh effort on your part, and you're going to be frustrated and dissatisfied. But if you are in the Spirit displaying His fruit, 
then yes, you are a, you are in Him. You mm-hmm. you are a saved person. Just short answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's important that all believers are in the Spirit, and all believers are good trees. Mm-hmm. And so the natural byproduct of both of those things is that we will produce good fruit, and that we will walk in the Spirit. Now, not always, but because we are those things, that that is the natural byproduct of what we're. It's tricky. I mean, you know, Paul says, by grace you are saved through faith, not as a result of works. And Mm -hmm. so if we get focused on, you know, a litmus test of, oh, okay, well, I'm doing it 8 out of 10 today or whatever, then Mm -hmm. I'm doing great, and I'm, you know, maybe I'm saved better. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. Say it that way, but you know what I mean? And then it's going to be very confusing. Yeah, Yeah, it is. I mean, and the fruit, peace is a fruit of the Spirit. You know, and if you don't have peace, and I mean, you'll be up and down. You'll be like, "Oh, today maybe I'm not saved, or mm. I have a lot of peace today. I must be saved." It's that's why it's it's the wrong focus. I yeah. think. Yeah. What am I believing? What's truth? Yeah. And am I am I placing my confidence on the truth, regardless of the, my feelings? Yeah. When we are, I think we'll experience the the peace of God. Awesome. Okay. And then the next question, also submitted, says, "I cannot seem to display self control when it comes to eating or watching TV or phone time." You fill in the blank, whatever else could be there. What can I do? Well, I think of someone coming to Jesus, you know, in uh, John 6, somebody comes to see Jesus and says, how can I work the works of God? And what must I do mm-hmm. to work mm-hmm. the works of God? That would be like coming to Jesus and say, Jesus, how do I stop being on my phone all the time mm-hmm. or eating too many cookies or, or whatever? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a religious setting, you know, I would expect him to say, you know, you know, work on that or something, you know, (laughs) I mean, you know, that doesn't please God, but he doesn't give them a, you know, a diet plan or a uh, Hmm. technology management steps. He says, if you want to work the works of God, believe on the one he has sent. And so my first starting point is... The fruit of the Spirit, which we just talked about, it, the Spirit is in me, and therefore I have all the self-control of the Spirit, right? Mm. Now, I might not be using it as evidenced by the fact that I'm definitely not using it if I'm overeating, and yeah. but it d- doesn't mean I don't have it. And so the first step is for me to believe, and this goes back to the, you know, the session we did on great exchange, that I have the life of Christ, that I have that new heart that you referenced mm. just a moment ago, yeah. that I have the mind of Christ, that I have this self-control. If I don't believe it, then I'll try to go out and manufacture it yeah. by working some self-disciplined, mm. hardcore, whatever plan to lose weight or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. When the person comes to, to me and says something like this, mm-hmm. I think, man, it's great that you are motivated yeah. not to do that. I mean, to me, that shows that the spirit is at work. Yeah, for you sure. Know? The, the problem becomes uh, how does that spirit come out in that and manifest? Because it's his fruit. The, mm-hmm. the fruit of self-control or control of self or self-control is is his fruit, you know, in our life. And so how, how is that? Uh, you have the desire, but but it's not manifesting yet. How does that manifest? Does it manifest by focusing on the problem and trying hard with technique, fleshly techniques to overcome that? Mm. I mean, I think that energizes the problem. Yeah, it, it makes us consumed with it. I can't overeat. I can't overeat. I can't overeat. I really want to overeat. Mm-hmm. Instead, we need to focus on exactly what this question says. I don't want to do that. Exactly. But I yeah. keep doing it. So mm-hmm. I, I, the Bible says it doesn't just say stop sinning. It says you're set free from sin so that you can pursue Christ. You can pursue righteousness. Second Timothy says, flee youthful lust. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord. 
Lord from a pure heart. Mm. And so it's not so much about what are we fleeing and what are we uh, trying to stop doing. It's mm. about, it, the, the fruit of self-control comes when we pursue God in intimacy mm. with him and we pursue that love yeah. and we move out under his direction, then automatically we're not going to be in, in this sense, he's talking about lust. So we won't be lusting. If we're pursuing this, we're not going to be lusting. And, we, mm-hmm. and that kind of goes away. The, the fruit of self-control is manifested in our life. And getting in touch with those desires and then using those to pursue Christ, that stuff, it's kind of like that old hymn that says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and the things of earth grow strangely dim. Yeah. You know, turn your eyes on Jesus. And that's how I think that that's how we overcome and that's how we enjoy self-control is by pursuing Christ rather than trying hard to stop and come up with a management plan to, to build our self-control when it's really the Holy Spirit's fruit. Yeah. This question really resonated with me because, you know, that was my question for a long time. Yeah. And now I realize, that, as Ben pointed out, that the focus was in the wrong place. I was looking at my behavior, yeah. but what God would want to point out to me is, Tom, look at your desire. Where do you think the desire came from? Why do you want to have a healthy body? Mm-hmm. Why do you want to have a healthy mind? Because I put that desire in you. Yeah. But if I'm trying to manage all of that behavior through the flesh, I'm going to continue to be frustrated. Yeah. But as Ben pointed out, if I just rest in the Spirit, because the self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of my flesh. I mean, I've proved that in my own life over <laughs> and over. But as I rest in the Spirit... And, and let him be in control and animate my desires, then my focus is on a healthy body and a healthy mind, yeah. not on the lack of. And it takes me in a totally different direction. Okay, let's move on to uh, session 13, which is uh, growing in grace and knowledge. So I'm going to start this question here. It says, should I be fasting every week? That, that word should is uh, <laughs> is an interesting word. And I, I think that's the, the word that we should be asking our leader, our head, <laughs> our guide, our counselor is, God, what do you what do you want me to do? Hmm. You know, I mean, that's not an answer that I can answer. I can I can answer it for you, but then then I would be your God. I would be your counselor, director. Fasting is definitely something that people have done for for thousands of years in order to build intimacy with God, focus their their thinking, focus their believing, and dedicating time in prayer for certain situations. And it's uh, something that's good, you know, that Jesus said that his followers would be doing when he left. So fasting can be a great thing, but uh, should you be doing it? I think that's that's between you and God, and if and if He leads you to do that every week, then do it. If He leads you to do it every day, do it. If, mm-hmm. if He leads you to do it once a month, then then do it. But the that's He's the shepherd. He's the leader. Yeah, and I think this question just so the audience is caught up. This question comes from the spiritual disciplines, which is you know obviously why they focus someone focused on fasting specifically. But I think it can apply to any of the spiritual disciplines. Sure. You know, I think of Acts 16, Paul is on this, you know, great mission to share the gospel and he's in Asia Minor and he says in Acts 16 that he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to Mm. speak the word in Asia. Then he was going to go to this other place and it said the spirit of Jesus didn't permit them. Mm. 
And then later, Jesus gave him a vision through a man calling him over to Macedonia. And that's what they said. This is what we concluded. This is what God wanted us to do. Mm. So it goes back to your earlier uh, question about uh, we were talking about each unique has each person has a unique journey, so, so yeah. to speak. Yep. It's like dating my wife. You mm. know, if I was to mentor my son on how to date his girlfriend mm. and say, well, son, I wrote this letter to your mom when I was dating her. And then I took her to this restaurant and then yeah. I bought her these flowers. And then I, he would look at me and be like, well, Dan, that's your love yeah. story with mom. Yeah. I'm, I'm a different person. Yeah. But the truth is still there. It's still a loving relationship. It's just how do you want to manifest this? Mm. And so for me, the Spirit has given me ideas about when he's wanted me to fast. You know, mm. an example is this, uh, this month, actually, where my wife and I are looking at buying another house to better suit our family's needs. And, I, you know, I had a habit of looking every day on the market, what's coming on the market, what's available, what's for sale, does it fit in our yep. budget, is there something new? And I, he just, I just sensed in the Spirit, he wanted me to fast, so to speak, looking at the real estate market. Mm. And, and what it's done is refocused my eyes on some of the things he's already told me about his provision for me mm. and what he's doing in this journey. And, uh, of course, it doesn't really make sense to give that up, you know, like it wouldn't make sure. sense to give up food when you got to have it, you know, <laughs> yeah. for, and stuff like that. But it refocused, and that's the Spirit's love journey. It's a romance with him, and mm. I'm experiencing him in richer ways as a result of that. Yeah, well said. All right, uh, next one. A question submitted said, I don't like to read. I can relate to that, okay? I don't like to read. I struggle with reading the Bible. Is that a problem? Well, again, this is something that I can relate to because I always struggled with reading earlier in my life. Anytime I'd sit still and try to read, I'd start to fall asleep. Mm. And the enemy used that so much in my experience of trying to grow in my relationship with God. And he'd say, look at there, you know, you can't even stay awake. And, and he would even throw scripture at my mind. And he'd take me to the gospels where Jesus says to disciples mm. in the garden, <laughs> couldn't you not stay awake and pray with me? You know? And mm. so I've, I'd hear that scripture in my mind. Oh, I'm a horrible Christian. I'm so disappointing to God. And so that was the backdrop of this condemnation that I felt all the time. And, what happened over time is I began to know God more and more and realize, wow, that's not that wasn't his voice condemning me. Yeah. Again, as we've said earlier in this podcast, that God has a loving voice and he's always wanting to encourage me and and cheerlead me on to to growth. And so the scripture is a way to get to know him even more. And that draws me, my curiosity of knowing this this amazing God more takes me right to the Scripture. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Uh, years ago, I had this Bible that had all this commentary in it, and I found myself reading a lot of the commentary more than I was reading the Scripture. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit just gently said, hey, why don't you spend more time actually reading the Scripture? Mm. And so I got me a different Bible. Mm. I found one that didn't have any commentary in it at all, and that was what I started reading. And all these years since, that's what I read. I don't read a Bible with commentary in it because I want to hear commentary from the Spirit. Mm. And so over time, as that has developed in my own life, it has encouraged me to want to read more and more yeah. and more. You know, Paul says he's he's discipling, so to speak, his younger uh, 
brother Timothy yep. in 2 Timothy 3, and he says, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them. He talks about how he learned them from childhood. And so the question is, and this is, goes back to the romance, God, how do you want me to continue in these things? Mm. And the things that I've been convinced of, because he says that all scripture is inspired by God, it's profitable mm. for teaching and reproof and correction and training. So I would encourage him to, th this person who's asking the question, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to go on this date with you? Mm. And for me, uh, sometimes like, like for Tom, it was get a different Bible that and not focus on the commentary for me. Yeah, there has been times where he's led me to read when I don't feel like reading, mm -hmm. but other times he's he's led me to put in a CD of someone reading, right? <laughs> other times he's led me to to print off uh, just a verse or two and and meditate on that and memorize that. Mm -hmm. You know, and everybody has some people use, you know, artistic ways of diving into the scripture of journaling sure. and, yeah. and and stuff. So there's all these different ways that he's going to woo you on the mm -hmm. dating. The key thing is to remember that I have this new heart that longs to continue in the things that mm -hmm. brought me to the faith. Jesus said, if you continue in the truth, right? And of course, he was talking to, to someone who wasn't saved at that point, And he said that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, we're already free in Christ, but yeah. we still are truth lovers. So spirit, how do you want me to pursue these things or continue in these things? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, knowing truth is is essential. I think for us. I mean, you know, Jesus said, "Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God." And I think just like our physical body needs food, our our mind, our soul needs God's truth, and so we got to feed on it some way. And so, if reading is a is a problem, then I mean, we got a God who's a problem solver. Like Mo says, we, yeah. go, we go to God and we say, God, man, I'm really struggling with this. And there's not going to be any condemnation, right? Mm -hmm. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ, as Tom said. But, man, he can, he can change you. I mean, maybe you've never been able to read a book in your life, but he could change that. He can mm -hmm. make it so that the Bible becomes rich and you're able to understand even if you can't understand any other reading. But there is other stuff. You can listen to it. There's movies out there where the Gospels and the characters, they just speak Scripture. So mm -hmm. you could watch it that way. But the, the important thing is to go into feeding on the truth with God and uh, any deficiencies we, we have, he can supply what is needed there. Mm -hmm. The grace is sufficient. Yeah. I love the theme so far in all the all three podcast sessions that we've answered questions to is just like you've said, Bo, this romance. You know, there's an intimacy and a romance that comes with just knowing God and the relationship and knowing he's pursuing me. That all of these things are, like I said when I was reading the question, you know, kind of being funny, but I don't love to read either. But knowing that there's that romance, knowing that he's pursuing me, it does create that desire. It does supernaturally, spirit-led, overcome so many hurdles that, you know, reading might not be a hurdle for somebody. It may be something else. And just know that God's love and his absolute, you know, desire for you is really helping you with those hurdles as we go. Okay, awesome. So we'll move on here. We'll go to session 14, episode 15, podcast episode 15. It's covering the believer's battle. So the first question submitted said this, my emotions take over when I'm in conflict with someone. How can I stop this? Says everybody in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I think 
we got to understand for something. I know it feels like the emotions get so strong that it feels like they take over, but the Bible definitely says that we have a will and we make decisions and that we have a way of escape if we're tempted. And temptation, that's an opportune time when those emotions are aroused to sin, but God's given us a way of escape. And there's various ways. I mean, if it's if it's an angry emotion, and when I feel angry coming on, you know, a lot of times it, it leads into sin. But mm. by being slow to speak and saying, I need to t- take a break from this conversation or this and just go talk to God about it. And I think that is, you know, it, it, there's examples in the Psalms of David g- getting together with God and unloading his emotions. You know, his emotions get so intense and he takes them to God. It's it's best, I think, to process like David does where he takes his strong emotions and he goes to God with them and God gives him some truth and However long it takes, it doesn't say in those Psalms how long it takes him to get to the end, but in the end, yeah. he's claiming truth. You're, you're my rock, you're my strength, you know, you're my tower, and uh, he's standing on that by the end. It's a process that, that takes time, but I think that's a healthy way to process those emotions is to pull back from the situation, and we always have that power to do that according to the Bible. Our emotions taking over, as Ben said, it, it's really just an illusion, it's something we practice since birth. We feel something, and and we we catch ourselves reacting, you know, behaviorally to that emotion. And so it appears like the emotion itself is what's driving the action. When the truth is, it's what I'm believing in that moment that's driving my actions. Mm. You know, my will is is choosing to react to the circumstance, and I'm my feeler mm. is just simply feeling it. And the enemy wants us to think, though, that, oh, you're angry? Well, you need to, you know, you need to stop being angry. Well, mm. the truth is, there's nothing wrong with emotions. God mm. made them. We're supposed to experience emotions, but the emotions aren't supposed to be what we look to for truth mm. because emotions don't always reflect truth. They can, but they don't always. If I'm believing the truth, then my emotions are going to reflect truth. But if I'm believing a lie, my emotions are going to reflect that lie. And so I want to listen to the Spirit, and in those moments, those emotional, extreme emotional moments, and say, God, what do you want me to do? The Scriptures say you can be angry, right? (laughs) So it's fine to feel the emotion. But then it says, and this goes to what Ben and Tom have talked about, do not sin, right? Do not let the sun go down in anger, which gives you the understanding that you have a choice. You know, I've had conflict from time to time with other people. Uh, Just this past uh, weekend, I was teaching the kids some scripture, and they didn't seem to be following what I was, you know, (laughs) for various reasons. Uh, And I was feeling some emotions, Hmm. frustration, right? Well, it came back to what was I believing? If I believe my worth and value is connected for how well I teach my kids the scriptures, then I got to get them to understand it or listen or do better myself or whatever it takes. But if my worth and value is coming from Christ, that's the way of escape that Ben says that I can choose to take. Yes, the emotions are there, right? And they feel like they could take over, right? Um, But really, I like what Tom said about it being illusion. It's illusion based on incorrect thinking, Yep, incorrect believing. Yeah, I mean, it's I think pretty obvious to most of us that that we can think a lot faster than another person can talk, you know, Mm -hmm. so we can be hearing something, but we can also be thinking a lot more thoughts and 
maybe all of you guys right now are thinking a bunch of thoughts while I'm talking. <laughs> but, but we need to take that. I mean, what's helpful is to take that extra thinking power and analyze, you know, what is God saying to me in this moment? And, you know, what are my thoughts about that? A lot of times when I feel angry in a conversation, whether it's with another person it's or my wife or whoever, it's because I perceive some kind of rejection or offense. And when I think that thought or when I feel that coming at me, like that anger starts to arise and then the, then the response is, in the flesh is to attack back, mm-hmm. and and that that feels like the emotions are taken over. But in the if in the process, like what Tom was saying, our really our emotions are are coming from our our thoughts and beliefs. If we can interrupt that and actually start paying attention to the thoughts that are coming, mm-hmm. then we have that opportunity. That's the way of escape. We can believe the truth, and we can choose to stand on it, even though we're still feeling angry. And we can choose to forgive, or we can choose to think of the other person instead of ourselves. Or we can say, God, you've met all my needs. You say that I'm significant and I have great value because you gave your son for me. We can remind ourselves of that in the moment that will help take down those emotions with the attack that's coming. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the question talks about my emotions taking over, but this question is really about thoughts, you know, because that's what's underlying what's really going on. Whenever this is not my analogy, but I've heard this, you know, like whenever we do feel those emotions, our brain is at work and there's we have patterns in our brains that, you know, physiologically have been wired. I think Jamie in a couple podcasts ago talked about this, but, you know, there's when we've done something for so long in one way and we're used to handling a conflict or an emotion in a sing, in a certain action, our brain's been wired to do that way. And so that's why it often feels like when I have this emotion, when I act this way, they just go hand in hand. I can't do anything about it. But I, I always view God as kind of like, you know, or our brain kind of like highways and God kind of like a construction worker because he's standing over on the side and we've developed these patterns in their six lane highways, but he's over on the side with these little red caution flags, <laughs> like just trying to get our attention, you know, just lovingly saying, hey, what you're thinking and what you're believing, the way you're going is out of the flesh. It's not me. And, you know, the first time we we probably out of the corner of our eyes just glance and see those little red flags and we're like, oh, that's interesting. But then we keep going <laughs> forward, right? And then the next time we might take a, a little bit longer pause and be like, uh, that's weird. Okay, but then we keep going again. And over time, I think what God's doing is he's renewing our mind, like it talks about in Romans, is over time he's signaling to us that this way that we've handled things isn't working for us or anybody. It's killing relationship. It's killing us emotionally and that kind of stuff. And so I just think that he lovingly is just slowly doing this process. And Bo, I've heard you talk about this before, but changing the way we handle emotions and, and flesh patterns is like a cruise ship where it takes a long time most of the time to really turn and change the way we respond to things. And a lot of that takes what, Ben, you've been talking about, which is I actually need to have that moment of pause where I notice those red caution flags and say, maybe this isn't the best way. This isn't who, what I want. This isn't what God has birthed in me to love this person person, and that kind of thing. And so I think as he continues to turn that cruise ship and we begin to change, that's a lot of the process that God is doing in our lives to change the way that we don't allow our emotions to take over. And then when, even though conflict will still arrive, we can handle it in a loving and peaceful way. I like that the scripture says, take every thought captive. It doesn't say take every feeling captive because the the thoughts, again, the feelings come from the thoughts. Yeah, man, if you try to tell yourself not to feel something, that's not going to, you're not going to get anywhere. In (laughs) fact, you make make things worse and cause all kinds of problems. 
you know, if I can make a little plug for the mm-hmm. living in Jesus, uh, you take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's why the session on a great exchange, mm-hmm. on the new identity, uh, understanding flesh patterns, all of those previous sessions that we discussed are mm-hmm. so important when you're on that road and the yeah. Holy Spirit's waving the flag. Because if <laughs> I don't know who I am and what I really want because of this new heart yeah. and that these old paths, then I won't know about why what the red flags sure. are even about. You yeah. know. We might say it might be speed up signs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next question submitted said, I think God must be so disappointed in me for, and then they left it blank. Um, but I, I think that's probably in purpose for anybody <laughs> to fill in that question. So <laughs> For any sin. <laughs> yeah, for any sin exactly. So how do we handle that? Well, first of all, I think disappointment is a human emotion, not a God emotion. And the reason why I say that is because when I'm disappointed, when you're disappointed, it's because you had an expectation. You thought something's going to be a certain way, and all of a sudden, you're, it didn't happen mm. that way, and now I'm disappointed. Well, God can never be caught in a situation like that where he goes, oh, I thought this was going <laughs> to happen, but that didn't happen, so now I'm disappointed. Wow, yeah. And so I think it's a human emotion that we turn on ourselves. We, we, we impose that on God. And we see his face, we're like, oh, he's, he's experiencing emotion about me right now because he expected. Mm. A few years ago, I was talking to a guy that was, he was struggling with porn. And he shared with me about this intimate time that he had with God. And it was so special. And he said, he said and just a few minutes later, I found myself, I was looking at porn again. Mm. And I said, what do you think God thought about that? He said, oh, he was so disappointed in me. I said, but let me get this straight. A few minutes before that, you felt his favor and his love in that moment. He said, yeah. I said, did he know that you were going to be looking at porn a few minutes later? And he just stopped. Hmm. Tears started rolling down his face. He says, yeah, I guess he did. And so I don't look at God and I don't put that emotion on him. Hmm. I'm disappointed in myself. Sure. You know. Uh, and I can be disappointed of the human being, but God is not stuck there. That's a great point, Tom. And you know, but disappointment, even for ourselves, is a very poor motivator. If we if we're just trying to use our disappointment with ourselves to try to change, uh, the same with fear. You know, those mm-hmm. are those are motivators, but they're poor motivators. Yeah. Only love is the one is the one that has the power to change us. I think to change our heart and uh, change our actions as a result. You know, I love what uh, Tom said about disappointment and the human condition. And, you know, I think the more appropriate word might be grieved, mm. you know. Yeah. And, and um, God talks about that. It says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, right? And it's like a loving father that sees a child that's making mistakes and say, oh, that's going to hurt. That's going to mm. damage you and others. And that grieves me because sin grieves him. Yeah. But there's no condemnation, which mm. kind of ties into my thoughts about disappointment. Like, son, I'm disappointed in you. When are you going to get your act together? Right. You know, uh, I think it's more of, hey, son, you're trying to find life in a way that there's no life. And that's going to damage you. And that grieves me. But I'm very 
very confident in the work I did in you, which makes you a beloved saint, set apart, righteous, the, the identity statement. Yeah. And so I think he's going to, to draw me back to the truth of setting my mind on what he has done in me, mm-hmm. the obedience of Christ that we've referenced several times. And that takes my, my eyes from being sin-centric or sin-focused, yeah. like concentric circles focused, you know, focused on sin and I got to stop that so I'm not disappointment to a Christ focus or Christocentric, mm-hmm. right? Where it's magnifying him. And, and I think to me, that is the freedom of grace. Yeah. The, the reason I love this question, though, it comes back to that is, well, if my focus is on Christ, but he's mad or disappointed in me, then I don't really want to focus on that, right? Right, right. right. Not at all. Yeah. You know, if you, when you have a child and that child comes to you and says, you don't love me, you know, in that moment, as a parent, you're experiencing, as Bo said, grief, not really disappointment. Mm-hmm. It's more grief. It's like, oh, no, that's not mm-hmm. true. Yeah. I, I love you with all my heart, and I'm grieving because you don't believe that. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, so God, in those moments, he's, he's grieving our unbelief. I think you're right, and I think we need to always keep in mind that God's seen all our sins, even the ones that we haven't committed yet, and he still sent his son. And he still said, I want you to be mine, and nothing is going to separate us from the love of God in Christ. There's nothing that we can do. And so uh, there's that security and that keeping that in mind, and also the fact that he's going to finish what he started in us. Mm-hmm. It's not that he takes it by surprise. That was a great point, Tom. He's not surprised by it. In fact, yeah. he's got a plan already. Mm-hmm. He knows how he's going to cause it to work together for our good, and he's going to fulfill what he started in us. All right, let's move on. We'll go to uh, session 15, which is uh, identifying our own flesh. The question submitted said this, what's the difference between the flesh and the law of sin? Well, you know, the flesh, the concept of the flesh is anything done apart from faith, independent of God's work in us. It's it's our trying to do it under our own strength. It's the futile ways of life we've learned. Whereas the law of sin in Romans 7 is is kind of portrayed as this entity or force. I think of the law of gravity that's mm-hmm. pulling. So it brings the mind of analogy. The house that Ben and I grew up in had this, you know, this uh, brick wall mm-hmm. that was near the basement. And for adventurous young boys, you know, it sounds like a great idea to leap off the wall. Mm-hmm. But let's say mom and dad, and you know, gravity's at play here. I'm standing on top of the wall. Uh, but I'm safe there when I and my parents say, don't jump off the wall, Bo, right? Mm-hmm. But I say, no, I know better than them. I can figure this out. I got the strength and power. Well, I'm still going to be under the power of the law of gravity yeah. if I choose to act that way. Yeah. <laughs> and so a believer can choose to act in the flesh, and they will experience sin, the force of sin being played out in their actions. Mm. But I can also overcome the sin by submitting to the law of the of the Spirit who's alive and at work in me. And so that's kind of one of the ways I think about the difference. So when you say the when you jump off, you submit to the law of gravity, or with the analogy, you mm. submit to the law of sin, what does that look like? Well, it's going to lose. <laughs> well, you know, we went back in the Living in Jesus workbook to James, temptation, right? Strong desire. Oh, I can get my worth and value from doing it this way. And then I say, I'm going to do it, mm-hmm. right? And then I do it, and then it experiences death. Okay. So let's say like that that analogy, or no, that story I told you about teaching my kids the scriptures. Mm-hmm. If I'm getting my worth and value from them, I'm tempted to get my worth and value from them. They're 
they're not responding, they're not paying attention, or they're just not plain not understanding. Mm-hmm. And so I hear something like, I'm a, an effective teacher, mm-hmm. or they're not respecting me. Yep. And if I'm tempted to get that worth from them, I might use an action of the flesh, which sure. is, okay, what, what do I do? I'm not a screamer, so I'm not going to do that. I haven't mm-hmm. learned that from the world. Yep. But I could use a little bit of a, a look. You know, I've learned that that might control them a little bit and get them to get, you know, mind their P's and Q's and get on this scripture thing with me. So I feel like a better scripture teacher. Mm. That would be a deed of the flesh. Sure. Well, the law of sin is operating and I say, okay, I'm going to do that. I choose to give in to that. Then I experience death in my relationship with them, conflict, frustration. So the law of sin is pulling you to act on your flesh. flesh. Is what you're yes. Saying. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for those that, that are maybe just joining in the conversation and haven't heard these terms, these are terms that we've gotten from Romans, really, is where mm-hmm. Paul talks about it significantly. And so in there he talks about the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. And so there's a principle of operating in the Spirit or submitting to the Spirit that keeps us from operating in the principle of sin, which is pulling us to gratify the desires of the flesh to try to meet those needs. So mm-hmm. Romans, there's a lot more study in Romans if you want to look into that or in our Living in Jesus study. Another analogy that someone recently presented to me that really connected with me, I love the using the <clears throat> excuse me the law of gravity as an example, that pull, but I'm a driver. I drive vehicles. And every now and then, you know, uh, if you're a driver, you may have had a vehicle where the car gets out of alignment. Mm-hmm. And as a driver, I want to go in a certain direction, but my car keeps wanting to pull in a different direction. And I'm mm-hmm. fighting it, you know, getting it to go the way I want it to go. And so I see that law of sin, as Paul Paul describes it in Romans 7, 23, as it being in our members, in our physical body. So this container, this this tent, this house, that I live in my physical body, um, when I became a believer and I became a new creature in Christ, God didn't give me a new body. Yeah. I still have the same body I was born in, you know, when I was born in Adam. Mm. And so that law of sin is resident in this body. And so I have a desire to do the right thing. Like Bo was talking about in his example with parenting, his desire is to parent his children in a godly you know, in mm-hmm. a godly manner, but his flesh is this, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to give him this look, and that's the way, that's the flesh, but the pull is to gratify the flesh. It's it's, it's a pulling away, and, and and I'm assuming that after, Bo, you give the look, you go, oh, I know that doesn't work. Why did I do that? And, yes, that's, and that yes. reflects Paul's language, is I find myself doing the very thing I don't want to do. All right, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, Tom. Uh, that concludes part one of the question and answer here today. We will pick up next time with part two, and we hope to see you then. The Living in Jesus podcast is a production of Christian Families Today and is produced and edited by Ross O'Hare and Ben Brazina. Christian Families Today is a nonprofit discipleship counseling, coaching, and training ministry focused on equipping men, women, and children in how to build biblically healthy lives and families. You can visit our website at cftministry.org to find this podcast, information about the Living in Jesus study, and other free content. If you were encouraged by this podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you would take a minute and leave us a review. This podcast and all our free content is made available because of the generosity of people just like you from around the world. Until next week, thank you and God bless. God bless.